Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. Today, we're going to talk about curvy sex and fat phobia. We welcome our guest, Elle Chase. She is a sexuality educator, author, body acceptance and pleasure advocate, and you can find her on lchase.com on Instagram at the L Chase. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank great, you so much great. for being here. It's great to be asked. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, nice to talk to another L. Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm a small bodied person. I kind of always have been. Mm-hmm. I have serious limitations on knowing about this stuff and being able to mm-hmm. talk about it. So what kind of services do you offer in your work? I offer, well, first and foremost, I'm a sex educator, sexuality educator. Um, so my purview is, is sex. And um, I have been uh, anywhere from 110 pounds to 260 pounds. And so I sort of merged the two expertises, I suppose. Um, so I talk to a lot of people about um, how to accept their bodies in the moment um how to not focus on body love so uh in my work with coaching i talk to people about how to uh how to approach their sex sexuality from a place of not liking their bodies but also from a place of still finding themselves sexy and grounding themselves in their sexiness which i think is inherent um, and has nothing to do with body shape, size, ability, anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I try and focus on that with my clients. Um, and then as a sex educator, uh, I can I can talk to almost anything uh, about anyone. Um, so, <laughs> you got uh, range. I have, I have range. I hope I have range. Um, <laughs> people have uh, a lot of trouble you know accepting themselves and then also uh not just their bodies but also their sexual range and uh whether they're experienced enough or or too experienced and there was someone who's quote-unquote inexperienced and sort of battling shame is my is is the place that I come from so so. I wow so I thinking about how what an incredibly fat phobic society it is. So I can think of when I was 12 years old and my little sister, she's three years younger than me. She was nine. Um, She's always been on the chunkier side. It runs in the family on half my family side. My daughter also is going to be a big lady. Um, But I remember my sister and I were arguing about something and I called her fat like as an insult. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I didn't think my little sister was ugly or disgusting or less, but I knew that it was something that would upset her because I had witnessed that used as an insult in our culture before. Yeah. So I have reflected on this over the years, thinking about like how we do harm as kids or adults. And I don't talk that way and I wouldn't try to hurt someone that way. But I think when people really are harmed by fat phobia, it's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's because we've weaponized body shape to determine how we value people. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so prevalent. And I think, especially in, in our modern culture, we've grown up with it and we haven't really, uh, we haven't, we haven't had any sort of say in how we've uh, absorbed it. So 
like when we're born, uh, when we get to about three years old, we really become aware of that people have other judgments about us and that our behavior or what we look like has um, some sort of effect on other people. And so we are brought up in this culture that idolizes uh, straight-sized people, average-sized people, however you want to put it, and uh, denigrates anyone that veers off from from that standard, in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we get this as a message subconsciously Mm -hmm. from the moment we, you know, we enter this world. Mm -hmm. And um, there is sort of this collective cognitive dissonance about what beauty is, what's accepted. And so we're not really able to generate, in general, our own independent ideas of what beauty is and um, and what attractive is, what's sexy. Mm-hmm. So we have that burden placed upon us without even knowing it. And so to become aware of that uh, is is the first step. So when you were younger and you, you knew that, that would be um, hurtful mm-hmm. and uh, you were in, a, you know, you were young, you were in a fight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that is very telling. And to sort of notice that now is, mm-hmm. is a great, uh, it's something that most people don't, um, don't realize. Well, we're so, going to get there and here's this episode about it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think what I will tell people usually when we're, when we're talking is that, um, the first thing to do is to not put pressure on oneself to know everything immediately and to love their body or also just accept other people without thinking about what that uh, what society has put on them. So I'll tell them to look at media critically, almost ad nauseum. You really spend a lot of time when you're watching TV, looking at the commercials and asking yourself, what are they trying to sell me? What are they um, trying to get me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you're walking down the street or driving and billboards, radio, um, any type of media, especially women's magazines, which are really, really harmful, I think, especially mm-hmm. to young, uh, young women and young mm-hmm. men. So really showing our children and uh, teaching ourselves that that kind of influence is so, is just around us 24 seven. And the more we recognize what it is and what it's there for, the more we're able to uh, see how it's been forced upon us. Mm -hmm. You say magazines and I just think of, I don't look like that. Like so many of us, how many of us I'm sure have looked at magazines and billboards and be like, I don't look like that. And I don't think I ever will. Um, I saw an Instagram model. She commented, she's like, babies, I don't even look the way I look in photos. Like I have fillers and I use lighting and makeup and there's editing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, listen, everybody uses filters. I use filters sometimes. They're kind of fun, right? But the idea of only being able to use filters in order to uh, project a false sense of who you are because you're insecure with how you look and that you don't think you're meeting a standard is a whole different story than sometimes using them because they're fun. And neither is wrong, neither is bad. We are where we are. And um, it's just getting to that place where you can recognize what you're doing and recognize what you're seeing. Um, I feel the same way about 
people who get plastic surgery, you know, mm-hmm. whatever's going to make you feel good in the moment is fine. I, there should be no shame regardless of what you want to do with your body. Your body is yours. No one should be able to tell you what to do with your body for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I just ask in my work that people just become more aware of their surroundings and what beauty is and what beauty means to them and how they got their ideas of beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, you brought up, uh, you said women, men, children. Let's talk about your book, Curvy Girl Sex. Yes. Um, I love that it exists. I've recommended <laughs> it to people because I heard it's great. I Thank should you. have a copy. I will someday. Um, I will send you one. Oh my God, I would love that. <laughs> hey, everyone. Yes. Hear that? Uh, so, but I'm thinking of men and masculine people too. Mm-hmm. You know, arguably we don't hold males, men masks to the same types of body standards, especially when it comes to like aging and weight. But something right. I've noticed as a sex worker is a lot of my larger bodied male clients mm-hmm. will also express like doubt or insecurity or comment about their bodies in mm-hmm. session. And un- until I started interacting with males as a sex worker, I never knew that men gave a heck that they were yeah. big or fat. So yeah. I was like, wow, this body shaming extends beyond just femmes and women. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I focus on women because that's, and you know, you're a woman presenting because yeah. I'm a woman and I, you know, I don't have a degree. I don't, I didn't study this in school. It's my experience. Mm-hmm. And so, but I have done research on, on men as well. And I I can see, too, as far as even eating disorders go, 25% of people presenting with eating disorders are men. Mm. So, uh, and it certainly exists in different ways to be more, quote unquote, masculine, to have a hairless body, to to be tan, to be chiseled, to be strong, uh, athletic, um, all these things that we consider masculine in our society is also predicated on gender roles that we've definitely had since the beginning of time um and how uh you know women are supposed to be feminine men are supposed to be masculine and then the media and advertising um takes advantage of that in order to sell pills Mm -hmm. and sell diets i mean how many look how look at viagra Mm -hmm. you know viagra Mm -hmm. cialis is just i mean that whole that that whole sales pitch is so successful mm-hmm. and yet with uh women's sexual pleasure there really isn't anything they, there are a couple of things but they don't work the same way and um and it's not as popular so mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of interesting how that works as well but mm-hmm. yeah men definitely definitely have an issue with it and then of course there's penis size Mm. which is a whole um, other ballpark <laughs> whole other ballpark you know and oh. that has a lot to do with lack of education lack of sex education mm-hmm. because, um, people would say porn but porn's been around since the beginning of time as well yeah and several it's tens of thousands yeah. of years and it's really it really has to do with how uh, much of an importance is is paid to that and also the lack of education about what average size penis looks like and how oh yeah I should do a whole somebody. episode on that yeah seriously, seriously what what is some of the feedback you've gotten on curvy girl sex the book the feedback I've gotten the most is that 
finally people had been seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually really appreciate the uh, diversity of it too, because I, I made sure that, you know, trans people were included and, um, and that, you know, there were women and women, they called it curvy girl sex. So they hired me to do that. Otherwise I wouldn't have named it curvy girl sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but that people feel seen, you know, half mm-hmm. the book is, uh, their positions and half the book is about getting to your sexy and um and pleasure and feeling pleasure and feeling your sexiness and that your weight has nothing to do with that Mm -hmm. and i think what people have responded to is that part more than the uh than the position do you think it would be a good book for men to read yes absolutely you know i did the positions um so that it can be used for people with penises and people without penises. Oh. Um, so there are illustrations with, you know, people with vaginas that have a strap on and, uh, and really the same sort of, same sort of, um, uh, descriptions and everything exist for male bodied and female bodied or however is a good way to say that I'm always so confused now um <laughs> language is tricky I know language is so hard and it changes um, it does change it, and it's I'm just always not on the right side of that so I know I if everyone's listening both L's yeah. here we are never trying to be transphobic but I too yeah. I've gotten some flack before I've said something like um, men with vaginas or women with penises and yeah um, someone thought I was being transphobic there and for some reason but uh, whatever yeah, your I language so. is if you're masculine feminine presenting wherever you're on the spectrum you deserve yeah. to like well, your body yeah. is what we're saying yes and that and that is the point so uh so yeah it can be used for for anyone um there are there is a uh, a key code that also tells you which position is good if you have uh, weak ankles or weak wrists or bad back or you're Ooh. pregnant or anything like that so i tried to make it as user-friendly for different body types and different abilities mm-hmm. as i was able to do and uh, that i was able to comment on so that's awesome yeah because mobility issues are huge for all kinds of people totally yeah um so a friend of mine told me that getting a job can be harder as a bigger yeah. sized person Yep. And you said you've gone from 110 pounds to 260. Mm-hmm. So you probably have some experience. Like I notice people treat me different when I'm a brunette or a blonde or I wear fake glasses. So as, yeah. as a body yeah, yeah. size, can you tell our audience like any fat phobia or fat positivity that you've experienced or what that can look like in your experience? Yeah, I'll tell you something. Um, my biggest experience or uh, that's something that I have most experience with is is dating and size but I can also say that when it has to do with making new friends um Mm. definitely looking for a job um going shopping whether it's for um housewares or jewelry or food shopping is really really difficult when you are um a larger person because the looks you get when you pick out certain things, the mm. looks you get when you're checking out. And mm. when you are really self-conscious about the way you look or self-conscious about something about your body, you're able, whether you're empathic or not, you're able to pick up on, um, on other people's body language or a change in mood 
or if you're in a line with somebody, you can see their furtive glances towards what you're buying. Um, mm. And uh, I remember being larger and buying like ice cream and cookies. I mean, in my period, and I was just like, I just want this. And mm. you normally, I wouldn't go and just buy a bunch of sugar and just go out. I would have to sort of spread it out through different um, shopping trips because I didn't want to look like the fat person buying all the ice cream. And so I went through with, you know, ice cream and cookies and cakes and all that kind of stuff. And and, uh, (laughs) someone said, Oh, wow. You know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of sugar. And instead of just saying, yeah, you know, I'm in the mood for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, you know, it's kind of half jokingly, yeah, it's my turn to buy for the firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just had to come up with something. Um, and I thought, God, you know, what an awful feeling. And I'm not even the largest that there is out there. What do mm-hmm. people feel like when they're 400 pounds and mm-hmm. they're food shopping? It's nobody's business. Looking for a job, um, even if you're not just, even if it's just a job where you're sitting and answering phones, um, people get really scared about being seen by clients that you have hired somebody that maybe, in their opinion, looks slovenly mm. or um, doesn't represent the company in a quote unquote healthy manner. Mm-hmm. Um, it wow. really, and the same thing has to do with age as well. There's ageism there. Um, and also just not being seen, walking down the street and not being looked at, mm-hmm. having your gaze um, averted, um, avoided. And um, that is a really hurtful, lonely feeling mm-hmm. when you, I know just right now I'm thinner than I was a couple of years ago. And I am seen more now in the same outfits. <laughs> and mm. at the same places where before no one looked at me, no one regarded me, no one spoke to me. Hmm. Um, wow. It's a huge difference. Damn. Yeah. So I, um, in the adult industry, <laughs> there's so many, so many different, again, like, like any industry, so many different variables and entry points and potential mm-hmm. conflicts and influences from culture. And the way it works to my witness as a straight side worker and interacting with workers of different body types. Like I've worked in a handful of clubs. I've worked with hundreds of sex workers. And it's really interesting. What I've noticed is like the booking agents or the managers in some places will refuse to hire bigger bodied or fat mm-hmm. workers. But then the places where they do, these workers do as well or better than any of the rest of us. So it's like what folks want to interact with, who they want to interact with is not what we are told we want to interact with. That's right. It is the, uh, again, that is society's influence and, um, and the sort of collective amnesia that there is difference, uh, that people are attracted to a wide variety of things. And there Mm -hmm. isn't just one type of thing that people are attracted to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think just to take one step back is as dating as a fat person, I dated more, had better sex, had uh, all different kinds. I'm a straight cis woman with guys uh, when I was fat than when I was thinner. Hmm. When I'm thinner, I, I can't get arrested. But when I was fatter, I dated like crazy. And um, I think it has everything to do with how I saw myself. Um hmm. 
And also what I found is that people were not attracted to me necessarily because of my body. Um, and sometimes what, what would happen more times than not is I'm attracted to people. I'm attracted to women or women and men sometimes. And, um, I don't have a predetermined idea of what that is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, there were men that I dated that really liked my, uh, the softness of my body, the parts of my body I didn't like, like my, uh, my stomach. Um, and so I think what happened for them is that society tells them that to date someone uh, who is fat or overweight or fleshy is wrong. Mm -hmm. And yet when given the opportunity on online dating, for instance, or, you know, Craigslist rip. <laughs> yeah, RIP. <laughs> RIP, which I'm so depressed is gone. We're talking about Craigslist personal section, yeah. everyone. And that was wiped out by some bad legislation called FOSTA SESTA. Go web search yeah. it if you haven't already. But if you're my audience, yeah. you probably already know. Carry yeah. on, Elle. <laughs> and it was, I, you know what? I, that has affected me dating more than anything else. Really? <laughs> um, is that I've had such great experiences dating on Craigslist Personal. So Ugh. at any rate, yet I digress. So when going to like a strip club, um, in order to find that body type, most people have to go to a burlesque, which is not the same as mm. stripping. Right. Yep. Um, so Related, but yeah, you're not going to get the same level of contact from the entertainers no. at all. No, and it's a mm -hmm. whole different aesthetic. I mean, totally. it's just a different type of entertainment. Mm -hmm. But um, I think when you show people of different sizes, uh, you get uh, a more realistic view of what's out there, and I think people really appreciate it. I, I've been to, I think I've been to one, yeah, just one strip club my entire life. What state I, was it in? It was in um, Washington. Ooh, went, tough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to. It was in Seattle. Okay. And the one I went to had almost exclusively women that had a little extra, or were covered in tattoos, or had tiny boobs and big butts, or Ooh. all different kinds of women. And it was not what I was expecting. Hell yeah! And How did that feel? It felt great. Awesome. I felt so seen. I felt so empowered being in a strip club where I saw people that look like me. Mm -hmm. I saw people that look like people that walk down the street. And I was with my partner at the time and I was paying for lap dances for him. Bless and you. it was so fun to watch him get lap dances from, from women that looked like me and see his turn on. It, yeah. it was my heart it was, it was so um empowering and it i just i kept wanting to go back and back and back and i and i left so elated and so energized um do you remember the name of the place you're totally I, welcome i don't but i do remember it had like a sex shop um in front and okay. it was actually managed by by a woman and nice. um she said i feel safer here it was 24 hours i feel safer here running a sex shop um, than i do on the bus yeah yeah i can identify with that comment definitely yeah <laughs> certainly and i found that shocking it just goes mm -hmm. well i have people here i can call to come down and protect me 
Mm. And the people that are coming in are actually more respectful nine times out of 10 than they will be on the bus where I'll get harassed. Hmm. That was so interesting. So I, I think I have some ideas, but I want to ask you as a mm-hmm. civilian, um, how can straight size sex workers like myself create a more inclusive space for fat sex workers? You know, I was, I've been thinking about this and at first I thought, I don't really know. And then I thought, well, you know, I think really trying in whatever way one can in one's own life to lift up the, um, the visibility of fat sex workers mm-hmm. and normalize it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, it's so interesting. I, I just don't think that fat sex workers get the due and get the recognition um, that they are as popular mm-hmm. as straight size sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. They're looked at as sort of alternatives or they're fetishized, or sometimes what I've heard is they're looked at as sort of less expensive and the bargain basements, Oof. Um, which is really hard to hear. And it's um, also wrong because people can charge yeah. way more because they're less in this industry. They're more mm-hmm. unique and they're less common for some mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I, I used to work for someone and they asked me to procure a sex worker for them. <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, well, I know some sex workers. And so I will try and find someone for you. And I was given such a strict version of what to look for. Oh, I Lord. Like, I hate that, that when they do that. I hate that. I was like, I don't know this paragon. I don't know this person. <laughs> There, there, if you want to find that person, you're going to have to like do a casting session yeah. or what the idea of what that, what that sex worker had to look like in order to have sex with this person right. was completely like a pretty woman situation. Right. And yeah. to explain it was just like, well, I don't understand, but well, I'll tell you this that. Not everybody looks like that, just like not everybody looks like that walking down the street, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's, it's just, it all comes down to, in my opinion, it all comes down to media and what we are force fed and what we are told to believe is beauty and desirable Mm -hmm. and attractive Mm -hmm. and acceptable. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I agree. And I think that to promote or to work with bigger bodied sex workers is the best mm-hmm. way I can create more inclusive spaces. Yeah. Um, I mean, social media is definitely a tool and a weapon depending on how we <laughs> use it. Um, true. But even just like, you know, like I'll try to repost like media or ads of all different types of sex workers that don't yeah. look like me because I figure my audience you know, they might think I'm cute or interesting or whatever, but I'm not for everyone. And I know that none of us are exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to experience rejection or disinterest is totally normal across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I also kind of personally love it when I'm, when I'm working at the club now and I see like the bigger stripper on stage and her audience is also like bigger women and they're fucking Mm -hmm. loving it because they get to be like, hell yeah, girl, you can do this. We can all do this. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm also of that school of, you know, no matter what profession you're in, you are going to attract the people that you resonate with. Mm. And so giving someone else um, opportunity is never detracts from you. You know, mm-hmm. it's you're still going to be getting the people that resonate with you and that want to see you. But then you're also offering people something else or something that resonates with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another way also to, to lift up other women, to lift up other sex educators, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, to uh, to lift up other you know pipe fitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't hoard resources. That's right. That's right. It's good for all of us. Totally. So, um, well, so let's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will be reading some delightful feedback from folks. I asked my online audience, what do you love about your or your partner's bigger body? And Ooh. got some really sweet feedback. So we'll go into that a little bit later. Uh, right now, let's take a break. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The OMIC oh is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is the Curvy Sex and Fat Phobia episode featuring L Chase. She's a certified sex educator. What's your other letters? Oh, uh, ACS, CSE. What is <laughs> ACS AC- is American College of Sexologists. That's okay. it. Okay, okay, so... Certified sex educator, American College of Sexologists. L. Chase knows her stuff. You can find her lchase.com. She has a book called Curvy Girl Sex, good for people of all genders, I believe. And email me, L. Stanger, they talk sex at protonmail.com. And you can find my website, L. Stanger or stripperwriter.com. So let's do some listener questions. All right. I struggle with being self-conscious about my fat jiggling and intrusive thoughts when I'm trying to have fun. How does one become more comfortable or less self-conscious in their body during sex? Mm, That's a very common question. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, understand that the person or persons that you're with are, they already know what you look like. They are there because they want to be there. They are there because they find you attractive and that they want to have sex with you. Um, That is something to sort of realize and think, you know, they're not lying. They want to be here. Uh, And anything I'm thinking about with my body is my stuff. Um, The other thing to do, I think, ahead of time is 
thinking about if you're if you're feeling jiggly or you're feeling less than or a little uh, overtaken, I guess, by what's happening in the moment with your body is to really just concentrate on your pleasure and your partner's pleasure and what's happening in that moment. I know that mindfulness is a big buzzword right now, but mm. it is really, really essential when you are having sex or when to be intimate with somebody and you have other things on your mind. Mm-hmm. And that can be going stuff going on with your body. That could be the project at work that you haven't finished or kids in the other room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is to focus on your breathing, focus on the pleasure that you're receiving from your partner, focus on the pleasure you're giving your partner. Um, And I know that sounds very simplistic, but you'll be very surprised if you are able to do that. And other, other thoughts will come into your mind and you just push them out of the way. Thank you for being there. I got it. I got that point. I'm Mm -hmm. moving on to this. I'm Mm going to think about what, my partner is um, enjoying that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mindfulness is just like noticing that something's happening. Like, Oh, I'm having that thought again. For me, yeah. it's, Oh, my, my butt's too bony. My butt's too flat. They're going to notice <laughs> right. my small butt and get turned off. This is like my thing. And right. so it's like, wait, but we're having a good time. Yeah. Okay. The thing is happening. So now's the time where I stop thinking that and like move mm-hmm. on to like what's actually in front of me and going on. <laughs> Exactly. And also, you know, sometimes I know for me, uh, when I'm with somebody, I was with somebody once who all they wanted to do was play with my stomach. And that was the big part of my body that I really hated. And I just wanted to pretend wasn't there. And they just kept putting their hands there. And he noticed that I would get tense Mm -hmm. and said, is that okay? And I'm like, it's totally fine. It's just that it's not something that I ever get and it's something I try and not think is there and all of that and he just said I just love it it's so Mm. feminine it's so it has such a great curve to it I mean all these things Mm -hmm. and had I not asked had I not said something I would have sat there just cringing why Mm. they did while they did it instead of really enjoying that they were enjoying it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um and we never know Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing the insecurities that will pop up to us that other people just don't even see. Yeah. I um, was interacting with a nice young man recently and uh, I said, you have really nice feet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my monkey toes. I'm like, monkey right. toes. What? Right. what? No, you have like really nice. feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You just never, ever know. I had a boyfriend once who had 300 scars all over his body. Whoa. I know, from like this childhood skin situation. Wow. And he was so self-conscious, he wouldn't let me touch his chest or his back. Oh, and baby. I was like, I don't, I don't even, it doesn't even occur to me that those exist. I just yeah. <laughs> want to touch you. I just want to be with you. I just, you know. But for him, yeah. it was devastating that he was oh. taking his shirt off in front of me. Oh, sweetie. So, oh no. I think I just want to like run my finger and my tongue over it and go like. Brrr. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, this is fun. Exactly. Um, oh, sweetie. Okay. So mindfulness. Also, a lot of people like watching fat jiggling. Mm-hmm. They do. Like you're self-conscious about your fat jiggling. People take classes to try to learn how to jiggle their fat. Yep. And okay. not as a fetishistic thing either. They genuinely find that super sexy mm-hmm. about being part of a person, 
you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, and movement. I mean, Mm -hmm. jiggling means movement, which means probably play or sex. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yep. Yep. Okay. So listener question number two, you're going to take the reins on this one because I haven't experienced this. Why do you think there is such a backlash against those of us who want to lose weight? Oh, yes. Gosh, there is such a backlash about it. And I think it is the sort of black and white binary thinking of, you know, if you want to lose weight, then you are giving into diet culture and um, diets don't work. And you need to think about eating healthy as opposed to losing weight. And there are all these rules that come up. Um, especially in the body positivity, fat acceptance movement, all of that. Um, And I think what it really comes down to is that you can, it doesn't matter why you want to lose weight. In the end, in my opinion, it really doesn't matter. If you want to lose weight and it will give you relief from your everyday stresses and will give you relief to some extent, from um, any sort of mental hurdles that you have to go through that have been with you your entire life and are sewn into the fabric of your being, do it. Um, The only thing I ask of people is that you become aware of your surroundings. You become aware of when someone's trying to sell you a diet. Become aware of the reasons why you might want to lose weight. Um, That's all one can ask. I think asking someone not to diet is is so harmful and so the antithesis of what body acceptance is. Mm. Let people do what they need to do to feel good. Let people do what they need to do to be happy. Because at the end of the day, I don't think most of us will ever get to body love. I don't think the rest of us or those of us who have parts of our bodies that are that jiggle or pounds that we feel we need to lose are ever going to get to a point where we feel a hundred percent okay with our body. Mm -hmm. So if wanting to lose weight um, gives you some relief in your life and makes you a little bit happier, I'm all for it. And it's a very controversial uh, opinion to have, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing with plastic surgery. You want to get a nose job, get a nose job. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I only get one body and then I die. So I should right. probably do what feels good to me. You said binary thinking. And the thing that comes up for me is like, you're either with us or against us. You're either exactly. like fat culture or skinny culture. And it's like, yep. wait, 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 what about the whole bodies are a spectrum and yeah. orientation and identity can change and we're fluid. And-, and also too, you know, what about some of us who have, you know, depression or anxiety or OCD or bipolar, something that influences our, um, our self-esteem that uh, we might not be able to handle 100% of the time. And if we can do something that alleviates that a little bit, or at least an area of that, why should we not do that? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that being fat inherently means you're unhealthy. Mm -mm. I don't believe that. I don't believe being thin means that you are inherently healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that losing weight in order to fit a certain uh, stereotype of what you think 
other people will perceive as attractive is um, is harmful. But mm-hmm. that is not my judgment to make in your life. And um, I will always give you uh, uh, alternative ways to look at some things in the hope that that will be something that might click in your head and you might still want to lose weight, but you'll look at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm thinking some of the things you're saying is helping me to reflect on times in my life when I didn't realize I was being fat phobic until mm-hmm. I real- learned I was. So like mm-hmm. in college, we had PE class. It's like, oh, we're all going to run track. And I remember there was a gal in the class who was like a very large and tall person. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I thought to myself, I hate running, but I'll probably go faster than this person because right. I'm competitive. She yeah. fucking kicked my ass. Dude. Yeah. She was she was a great runner. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like size doesn't mean shit for performance sometimes. Right. Well, you know, we all do this, right? I I think we all judge people even when we don't realize we're judging people. And I think mm-hmm. we'll all do it the rest of our lives to some extent. But what I will tell people is when you're judging somebody else, you're really not judging them. You're judging yourself for something mm. that's going on. Mm. And some of it you know, might be just being lazy, you know, and some of it might be, I'm feeling particularly gross today. And that might project onto somebody else that, um, mm. that, I, that you know, that might feel, yes. feel good. Yes. Um, I had a friend of mine once who made me take boot camp with her, which is, if you know me, is the antithesis of who I am as a human being. <laughs> and um, any sort of exercise to me, but especially boot camp. And she told another friend, well, um, I made Elle join with me because um, I know I can do better than she can. <sighs> so needless to say, we're not friends anymore. But yeah, it was so like, she needed to feel better and you were going to be she, yeah. the tool for that. Ah! I was going to be the worst one in the class. So she wouldn't be. Ah! And I was going to spend $400 on it. Ah! It's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, right. all right. Yeah. But I've, the more there's like a saying in stripping, it's keep your eyes on your own hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, don't worry about what the other strippers are making. It's not a reflection of you. And I feel like this applies to so many things, like keep your eyes on your own body consciousness. Yeah. Um. Because the British baking show, you know what I mean? uh, They're all just worried about beating themselves. Yeah. (laughs) I, I notice as I get older and learn more and like have conversations like this, that the more I like my body, Mm -hmm. the less hex I give about what other people are doing. Yeah. You know, the more I just focus on myself, the less I'm trying to control other people's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So focus on your own hustle. Yeah. Um, Okay, listener question number three. This is a very broad one, and for mm-hmm. all bodies, I've become sexually avoidant due to anxiety. Help. Mm-hmm. Any recommendations? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it depends also to where that anxiety is coming from, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's um, being slut-shamed or not thinking that you're attractive enough or being afraid to date. Or I think it comes from uh, – it can come from so many – different areas um I think not knowing where the anxiety is coming from I think talking Mm. about it with a therapist is a great idea and I don't even think it would take that many sessions to figure out where it's coming from and then being Mm -hmm. able to work on it uh do we we don't know that how this person grew up as a um 
as a woman or a man or a, yeah, we know nothing about this person. Nothing. Yeah, so I think we're I think we're back to mindfulness. Like yeah, are, I think we are back to mindfulness. I mean, not knowing anything else, I think it is really mindfulness and breathing and meditation, a meditation practice. Uh, I think also um, a masturbation practice is mm. really helpful in this way. Um, just being able to feel your own pleasure in your own body might give you less anxiety of uh, when you're with somebody else because you mm-hmm. know what you're capable of when you're by yourself and you're relaxed and um, and you also know what pleases you. Mm-hmm. So, You said yeah. earlier about uh, talk to a therapist and if that's not an, a realistic option for you, I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of making a list. I just oh, write yeah. down some people also, that's not how their brain functions, but that can be a really easy sit down and just be honest with yourself, burn it, throw it away, whatever, if you mm-hmm. don't want anyone to see the list. But what am I anxious about? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Make a list. Yep. Writing, writing is a great way to combat anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, if you don't have the means, I also suggest, I know Instagram is filled with therapists and whatever, giving memes of how to do things and how to combat this, that, or the other thing, but also maybe finding what they recommend to read. Um, Mm. I'm a big fan of books and finding books that resonate with you and being able to self-explore with, with books and workbooks. Um, Mm -hmm. Like curvy girl sex. Like curvy girl sex. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You say masturbation practice. And for some people they're like, I don't know what that would look like. I mean, I like taking a bath or a shower and lighting mm-hmm. some candles and just going into my little cave and it doesn't have to look, it shouldn't look like a performative like no. webcam session. I'm not trying to like arch my back and, you know, stick my boobs up. Like right. I might just lay on my belly and think happy thoughts and like rub myself. Yeah. That could and- be my masturbation practice. Sometimes I'll do a little tapping in between to calm down. <laughs> oh, that's good. I haven't heard that before. That's a really, really good idea. Anxiety, baby. Yeah. Um, I also think that taking the pressure off of masturbation as a way to come and also Mm. using masturbation as as a way of getting in touch with your body. So not even getting anywhere near your genitals and just smoothly and slowly feeling the topography of your body. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. through that one can sometimes find different erogenous zones, different mm-hmm. areas of sensitivity that you might ha- have, um, experienced before paying attention to that touch, um, finding those areas and spending time, what kind of texture, what kind of, um, pressure, what kind of movement makes it feel differently and more enjoyable. And then moving on, um, to general touch if that's something that you want to do. Um, mm. it, it can take a much bigger sort of uh, space than just going straight for the generals. And like you said, taking a bath, maybe just lying down. Some people like to put something silky on their bodies, whether that's a sheet or um, a, a nightgown or boxers mm. or whatever. Uh, some people like to do it in complete darkness. Some mm-hmm. people put on, put, you know, like candles, so, you mm-hmm. know, experiment, see what makes you feel the best. Mm-hmm. And I've said this many times for my audience. I'm a fan of lights off if you have anxiety about being seen. And I've yes. told my partners that like, 
I like to do sex in the total darkness sometimes because mm-hmm. also sensory deprivation and sometimes yes. I can feel more, or taste more, or smell more. So also if you're feeling insecure and you don't and you don't want to vocalize that, you could suggest like, oh, I like having sex in total darkness sometimes. Yes. And here's yeah. why. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to think about it, too. Like that sensory deprivation is it, there really is something to be said, but taking away that that visual and mm-hmm. really just sort of getting into that touch and the sounds and the smells and and uh it, it really does make you sort of focus more on the other senses. I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. So this is more of a, a comment that I, I would like to hear your reaction to, not so yeah. much a question. Uh, last listener question. As a fat person, a lot of support stuff I see for body positivity feels like toxic positivity. Yeah. And I'm a cis man. Yeah. You know, if it feels like toxic positivity, stay the hell away from it. <laughs> what would be some examples of toxic positivity? I think one, like we were talking about before, was that binary thinking. Not giving any room for humanness is a big problem in any sort of self-help arena. Um, do this, do this, don't do this. Um, I have a problem with that mm-hmm. uh, because we are our own worst critics. And so if we're in that headspace, we're going to say, oh, don't do that. I've been doing that. We're going to beat ourselves up more. Um, I think looking for positivity that allows for humanness and allows for quote unquote, what others would call mistakes or transgressions um, and using them as positives. Um, Listen, I love sugar. I don't have a problem. I don't, you know, uh, I don't no shame about it. I, there's no shame about it. I had ice cream for breakfast yesterday and I was fine Eat. with that. Eat. But sometimes when I have too much of that sugar, I feel like shit the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I will hear things like, don't eat sugar. Sugar's the devil. Sugar's the da da da. But without any sort of gradations and um, areas in between um, of, well, you know, I love sugar and I will eat it and I love it and it tastes good. And, but I know for myself that when I eat too much, I feel like shit the next day. So I will take myself off sugar until I feel better. And that mm-hmm. is, some may say that's restrictive eating. And you know what? It is, but it's okay with me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so someone could say, you know, restrictive eating is is bad for you. So if you're not restricting what you're eating, eat what you feel like eating. That's all great. But it is the the ignorance of the areas of gray in between. So it's like yeah. you can't get from A to Z without going through the rest of the alphabet. And so if someone is telling, giving you, uh, you know, A's and Z's and not, rec- you know, recognizing the middle of the alphabet, then you're not getting a full bodied, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> uh, idea of, of what should be, um, of what, of what you're feeling and, and um, your humanness. Yeah. I mean, restrictive eating, sure, to an extreme can be bad. I was anorexic. So like, yeah. Yeah, flashbacks of crunching on ice cubes so that I yeah. wouldn't die, but headaches yeah. and constipation all the time. That was bad. But then binging, which I do sometimes these mm-hmm. days, is also not super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. Where do we find our middle ground? And also, you know, eating, as far as body acceptance and body positivity, eating has 
very little to do with that in the sense that you're always going to find something that you don't like about your body. There's always mm-hmm. going to be that last 10 pounds. There's always going to be my nose looks this way or mm-hmm. Or my monkey feet or whatever. My monkey feet, right? There's always (laughs) going to be something which doesn't have to do necessarily with eating. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I I think, I think looking at your, your, uh, the way you look at your body from a standpoint of what it doesn't have to do with eating is also helpful sometimes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right, let's take another break. Hey there. Do you want to help people and make money doing it? Becoming a coach might be your ticket. The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The Coaching Guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at Oshihana.com. That's MomotaroApotheca.com and Oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Please rate and review us on your favorite listening app. That helps more folks find us. And find me, lstanger.com. Our guest is L. Chase. She is a sexuality educator. She is an author. She is a body acceptance and pleasure advocate. And you can find her on Instagram at the L. Chase, lchase.com. I wanted to read some delightful, beautiful, sweet feedback. I figured I'd just ask people, what do you like about your or your partner's bigger body? Oh, I love this. Reactions welcome, L. Uh, I love how manly he is. I love his shoulders and gut. It drives me mad. Oh, I <laughs> love that so much. And it really encapsulates how I feel about my partners as well. It's like no matter how they feel as men, they are men. They're different than me. And I mm-hmm. love a good stomach. Like I love a <laughs> something there. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. I love that. Um, someone says, I love feeling smaller than my partner. I also mm-hmm. think his chubbiness is cute. Someone says, soft tummies are everything. Yeah. Someone says, my spine bends too far in. And when we cuddle, his tummy kind of fits perfect with it. Oh, God, I love that. Ah! I love that. (laughs) 
I love sinking my face into his belly. Feels so comforting. Yeah. It's soft to cuddle with, comforting, and I love the curves of his body. Dad bod and then sweaty emoji face. Yeah. safe you know it feels mm. really really safe mm-hmm. I yeah the word safe helps me feel safe I can lay on them without hurting them mm-hmm. every curve and roll has a meaning every inch part of her story that. here's another one this is um this is something we can all maybe identify with um my partner said that she loved my pimples because she loves the color pink I loved the fresh perspective (laughs) and we can all deconstruct these perspectives that don't suit us and the harmful subconscious associations. Oh, that, oh, that's cute. I love it. I love it. What a great reframe. Right. I love feedback from people. It teaches me things. Uh, Let's do a few more. Um, The softness, tummies are cute, big booties, thick thighs. He blocks the sun for me. Okay. As a as a pale person, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Baby, be my shade. Same. Um I've dated a few fat people um or bigger bodied people. I'm not using fat as a slur. I understand yeah. as a straight sized person there can be some um you know, reaction to that and that's totally understandable because it's usually often used as a slur by skinny people. Right. Um or too often. Um my partner slash Dom is 6'1 and 300 pounds. He's the cuddliest human and very strong, better than a weighted blanket. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait, last one. No, this is the last yeah. one. More mound equals better pound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's I awesome. could see that. Yeah. Yep. That does yep. cushion your pubic area and everything it, else. I could see it that. It really does. <laughs> I asked folks about scissoring because I hear people like, talking crap on scissoring and then also right. other folks like it and it's kind of like a cliche like lesbian thing some people bring up so I asked folks like how do you feel about scissoring and it was so interesting because the majority of responses I got from people had mm-hmm. a lot to do with their body shape and how they fit with other people oh interesting yeah so they're like the activity whether or not they like an activity often has to do with how it works for them shocking right right, right. yeah yeah um, so just a nice yeah, little reframe you know- it is an interesting reframe. You know, I've always heard from my lesbian friends like, oh, scissoring. You know, everyone always says scissoring, but we don't do that. And I'm thinking, well, that's, you know, I don't know how true that is because you know, it's <laughs> obviously a thing. I mean, yeah, you must. Some people like, do. Some yeah. people do. And also, you know, when you're trying things, why not? You know? I fucking love, I love scissoring. I also love doing it with males. Um, yeah where like whether or not they're inside of me we're either like rubbing our butt groins together or something or if their penis is inside of me and we're scissoring because we're kind of sideways a lot of men have never scissored so something kind of cool I can kind of show them um so something I want to ask uh what are some resources or people organizations media that has been helpful for your learning oh gosh um this is where we're going to rely on my, my faulty memory. <laughs> I do love Jess Baker a lot. Um, Who? Jess, Jess Baker. Baker. She, um, she wrote a book called Land Whale. Um, Land Whale. Land Whale. She is oh, right. a fat femme and she has sort of a no nonsense way of talking about um, her size and living in a fat body. I think 
She's really mm. fabulous. Okay. Um, I like, uh, gosh, who else do I follow? I follow a lot of people on Instagram. I don't remember names off the top of my head. Yeah, that's totally okay. A lot of your experience, it seems like, was, I mean, a lot of your insight is from your experience, it seems like. Yes, I have a lot. And I talk to a lot of people as well. And, you know, I have resources, too, on my website under resources. Um, awesome. Everybody that, go there. Yeah. Oh, there's also Dawn Sarah. Um, Sarah, S-E-R-R-A. She <laughs> is a coach as well and a sex educator. And she does a lot of great body positive um, coaching and material. Um, awesome. And Body Kindness by Rebecca Scritchfield is a book that I love. Okay. So those are a few. What about the body is not an apology? Yes, that is. Who's, that is okay. I have not read that one and I'm blanking on the author. Yeah. Sonia Renee Taylor. Thank you. She's amazing. And I think she's a she and not a they. I'm pretty sure. But, uh, but her stuff is, is fabulous. And she is sort of like the queen of, of all sort of body acceptance and, and, uh, body fat acceptance and, and, uh, in that in that realm awesome um, and anybody else if you have recommendations or especially if you are a masculine person or trans or somebody else of mixed identities that can reach out and say i know about this awesome resource that's great because yeah. we're white cis females so exactly. yeah exactly and a lot of a lot of sex educators are so if yeah. you can teach us things please do yes please please do and there's a dearth of material out there mm -hmm. as well because I think there's a, I think in the body positivity movement is very, uh, white, cis, female oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, so anything that, that moves in contrary to that is, is welcome and, and would love mm -hmm. to know more about that. Mm -hmm. So I like to ask all of my guests this, mm -hmm. do you have any sex tips you'd like to share with our audience besides all the ones you just gave? <laughs> um, you know, I think one of my favorite sex tips, besides, you know, the ones I gave and also communication is just the end all be all, but breathing. Mm -hmm. I think that when we're in the throes of passion, we forget about mindful breathing and we're usually breathing in a shallow sort of way. Like, yes, you know, yes. and I think yes. to concentrate on a deeper breath and even trying to match your breathing with your partner um, mm -hmm. is a really great way to sort of enhance your feelings of pleasure and also mm. sort of definitely controls um, your blood flow in a different way. Yes. Um, so concentrating on your breathing, Urban Tantra is a great book to get. Um, and that has some, some really sort of general breathing techniques in there that are great to start with. But okay. um, Urban Tantra. Urban breathing. Tantra. I love that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For the first time. Yeah. For the first time ever, a partner recently, they were like, breathe. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm usually yeah. the person telling other people yeah. that. Like, Oh, thank you. I need the reminder. Yeah. Um, but I'll do that with my strip club clients also and other clients. Like, try to very initially, right when we're beginning the session, mm -hmm. um, like, here's my touch. And I put hands on shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I usually sit on them and we'll just do some... I'll do some very obvious deep breathing and yeah. they'll usually sync with me because people want to be guided. Right. Um, and it's such a nice way to kind of get on the same plane, I think. 
Yeah, and also, if I may, I think this is one of the biggest reasons why sex work is so important, is that uh, there are people who are out there that don't have access to sex work or don't even think of that as as something that they would ever try. But when you're with a professional, you are able to let go and let them, their their professional touch, show you how to be touched in a Mm -hmm. way that you wouldn't necessarily get from a partner. Being mm-hmm. shown the respect shown to their bodies by the sex worker is such a beautiful thing. I've been with sex workers and I got to tell you, mm. I've learned more about how I want to receive touch and how I don't want to receive touch from people I'm having sex with uh, for the first time, even. Mm. That is invaluable. And it, 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 if anyone ever gets an opportunity to have a session with a sex worker, um, I would, I would snap it up because mm-hmm. it will show you stuff about your body, your sexuality, and your ability to receive and give pleasure that you won't necessarily get anywhere else. Thank you. Yeah, this is a reminder, everybody, support decriminalization of sex yes. work everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, everywhere. I What you just said reminds me of a, a spoken like word thing I saw once, and it was a middle-aged black man who t- told a story about when he would do uh receive erotic massage from Mm -hmm. providers and he's like he's like in that moment on that table all i have to do is be a hard dick yes i don't have to do anything else for anyone (laughs) you know what that is that is the the sex work that i have paid for is erotic Mm. massage Mm -hmm. and let me tell you as a single woman feeling safe in the presence of a in this case a a cis man and -hmm. being touched and knowing that i don't have to reciprocate and mm-hmm. that he is there for my pleasure and he knows what he's doing and is touching me in ways that I can alter or tell him to stop and know that he will stop. Um, have him honor my body in a way that hadn't been shown to me before is mm. so empowering and so life-giving um, that it is, it is a, it's a crime that it's a crime. Thank you. I love how we wrapped this episode. <laughs> Body positivity and decriminalized sex work. Yes, exactly. Yes. All right. So everyone go check out lchase.com. Tell your friends. There's a lot of good resources on her website. And then follow her on Instagram at the lchase. You're probably not going to get deactivated anytime soon. Cross my fingers. Knock oh, on wood. Not. Yeah. 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 I don't think so. You're I'm really careful. You're pretty careful. Yeah. Yeah the best we can do in yes, these times all of, we can uh, do. Mm-hmm. yep all right everyone thank you so much Elle for coming on thank you for having me mm-hmm. until next time everyone 